This is Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Welcome to Wealth Wake Up this Sunday morning. Dick Donahue with you here on KGMI. You know, stocks may look a little pricey. It's hard to tell. But at the heart of our assessment of the stock market is what we call our capitalized profits model. That model takes economy-wide profits, excluding profits or losses generated by the Federal Reserve, quarter by quarter, going back to nearly 70 years, and discounts those profits by the 10-year Treasury note yield in each of those quarters. We then compare discounted profits in those quarters with discounted profits today, putting equal weight on every previous quarter and using the average to estimate value. Well, at Friday's close, the 10-year Treasury was yielding 4.14%. Plugging that yield into our model and assuming profits remain at the same level as they were in the first quarter, this suggests that a fair value for the S&P today would only be 3170 That's substantially lower than Friday's close of 45.15. It's important to recognize the cap profits model isn't a trading model. You shouldn't use it day by day. Stocks can remain significantly overvalued or undervalued for prolonged periods of time. However, the model can be used to gauge how attractive stocks are on a relative to normal. Today, stocks look expensive. Moreover, when we review what we would have to happen to the model to estimate a fair value to rise where the stock market is today, it looks even more likely that stocks are going to face headwinds in the year ahead. One way to bring fair value up to Friday's close of 45.15 would be for the 10-year yield to drop to 3.05%. But what does the economy as a whole and profits in particular look like in a scenario in which that much lower long-term bond yield? Well, the yield curve would be very deeply inverted, and nominal GDP growth would have to be either much slower or expected to slow substantially in the near future. In turn, that would probably mean weaker profits. Another way for the model to project a fair value for stocks is that 45.15 would be for profits to rise 39%, while the 10-year yield holds around 4.14%. What makes that absurd is that a world in which profits surge 39% is one where the 10-year yield is almost certainly higher, because nominal GDP growth is much higher as well. Between the end of 2019, pre-COVID, and the first quarter of 23, profits were already up 24%. Another 39% gain would put profits relative to GDP well above where they've been for the entire post-World War II era. So it's a large drop in the Treasury yield would likely come with a recession and lower earnings and a sharp increase in profits would likely mean higher long-term interest rates. The market is stuck at current levels. And this, in our opinion, leaves only one mechanism to bring actual stock prices and fair value back towards alignment, and that is a drop in equity values. Again, don't use the model as a reason to sell your stocks today. That could be foolish. But investors should be focused on their long-term goals and their appetite for risk. The model is telling investors that they should be at least a little wary and should allocate to sectors that are cheap relative to the market as a whole. Allocation is always important and doubly so under conditions like these. Looking at our global roundup this week, we suspect we might see a soft landing hopes as they rise, but that is as U.S. labor market cools. Global equities were firmer on the week as U.S. bond yields eased substantially on hopes that the U.S. Federal Reserve's tightening cycle may have come to an end without the U.S. economy falling into a recession. The yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury note fell to 4.14% from 4.24% last Friday, but traded as low as 4.05% after the release of the U.S. employment report. The price of a barrel of West Texas Intermediate crude oil surged to $85 from $79.60 a week ago with the expectation that Russia will announce production cuts at its next OPEX Plus meeting next week. Volatility is measured by the CBOE Volatility Index, or VIX, declined to 13.3 from 16.5 last Friday. 
And looking at some of our global macro news, we saw that the U.S. unemployment rate jumps as a number of job seekers rise and numbers rise. A significant uptick in the number of people looking for work sent the U.S. unemployment rate higher in August, jumping from 3.5% to 3.8%. The bankruptcy of a large trucking company cost 37,000 jobs in that sector, while 17,000 were put out of work by the Hollywood writers' strike, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Non-farm payrolls rose slightly more than expected in August by 187,000, though a downward revision to the prior two months subtracted 110. The Fed will take comfort in the increase in labor force participation rate as a sign that labor markets are coming into a better balance. The participation rate rose to 62.8%. That's the highest since the onset of the pandemic. Average hourly earnings rose 4.3% year-over-year last month, slower than July's 4.4% pace. Odds of a further Fed rate hike before the end of the year fell on this data and stand at around 35%. And odds of a September ECB hike or downshift. Despite Eurozone inflation rising faster than expected 5.3% in August, comments from, from the reliably hawkish Isabel Schnabel, who is a German member of the ECB Executive Council, sent the odds of an additional rate hike by the central bank sharply lower on Thursday. Schnabel said that the recent economic developments point to growth prospects being weaker than foreseen in the baseline scenario. Markets took the remark as a sign that the ECB is near, if not already, at the end of its tightening cycle. And the ECB vice president mirrored Schnabel's comments, saying that the ECB is in the final stretch of rate hikes and that data signal weaker activity in the third quarter and perhaps into the fourth quarter. And we see that China continues its incremental policy tweaks. Amid continued signs of slowing economic growth, Chinese authorities undertook a number of additional steps this week and to shore up confidence, though the moves are seen as incremental and insufficient to turn the economic tide. Among the shifts made this week include the halving of a transaction tax levied on stock purchases, a lowering of reserve requirements, decreasing down payment requirements on first- and second-time home buyers, and a cut to mortgage rates paid by existing first-time home buyers. In August, China's manufacturing PMI rose to 49.7 from 49.3 in July, but remained a contraction for the fifth straight month. The composite PMI edged up to 51.3 from 51.1. And we see that U.S. Commerce Secretary warns China that may become uninvestable. The U.S. Secretary of Commerce, Gina Ramato, said that China this week seeking to improve U.S.-China trade relations. Ramato warned Chinese officials that China could become uninvestable for U.S. companies if the government continues unpredictable official behavior such as raids on firms and levering unexpected fines. Tensions between the two countries have been running high, with Chinese officials expressing displeasure regarding the U.S. export controls on advanced semiconductors and other technologies. A working group set up by the two countries to discuss export control measures and to reduce misunderstanding of national security policies. In quick hits, we saw that the U.S. economic growth was revised down to a 2.1% annual rate from an initial 2.3% reading last week. Job openings in the U.S. declined to 8.8 million in July, down from 9.2 million in June, another sign that labor markets are rebalancing. U.S. core PCE inflation rose 4.2% in July from 4.1% in June, while personal spending rose a robust 0.8% in July, a signal of continued buoyant consumer demand. And the U.S. Department of Energy is making $12 billion in grants and loans available to automakers and their suppliers to retrofit plants to make electric vehicles. An additional $3.5 billion will be offered to domestic battery manufacturers. And that came from Secretary of Transportation Jennifer Granholm, and that was on Thursday. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. We'll be back shortly. We all know the large national insurance companies like Progressive that have Flow and The Box as actors in the commercials on TV. 
Did you know you can get progressive coverage through local insurance agency? I'm Derek, and my wife Denise and I own D&D Insurance in Ferndale. We represent several national companies, Progressive being one of them. We have access to amazing national rates with a local feel. So if you're needing to make a claim at 1 a.m., you can do that. If you would like to come into the office and talk with an agent directly, you can do that too. We may not have a famous TV star as an agent, but we have some amazing agents. So if you're a contractor, landscaper, food truck business operator, or a family who has fun in the sun with a camper, boat, and toys, let the agents at D&D Insurance help protect your business and your belongings. Give us a call at 392-8159. You can also look us up at dndinsurance.com or meet us at the office in Ferndale. We look forward to meeting you at D&D Insurance. Duarte and Bodie's Labor Day deals are on now and all weekend long with the season's biggest savings on the largest selection of appliances, mattresses, barbecues, and more in Whatcom, Skagit, and Island Counties. If you've been waiting for the right deal, now is the time to score with huge cashback rebates, special no-interest financing, and a 30-day local price match guarantee so you know you're always getting the best price in town. Find huge savings up to 40% off on the best selection of in-stock refrigerators, dishwashers, washers, and dryers, ranges and cooktops and more. Plus, get huge cashback rebates up to $1,000 on qualifying appliance pairs and packages and save up to $800 on select mattress sets. Plus, get up to 50% off clearance mattresses in all sizes from top brands. Upgrade today and pay no money down and no interest up to two years on select appliances and up to six years on select mattresses. Shop Labor Day deals now at DeWard and Bodie in Bellingham and Burlington. Financing OAC offer qualifications and restrictions apply. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Donahue with you this Sunday morning here in KGMI. We're Asset Advisors. We are located out on the Pacific Highway in the Pacific Commerce Center. That's on your right as you head north to Ferndale on Old Highway 99, just south of Wilson's Furniture. Our address is 5060 Pacific Highway, Suite 101, Ferndale, 98248. Our phone number, 360-733-1200. And continuing on with our global Roundup, we saw that amid growing tensions in Asia, China's defense minister asked for a 13% budget increase over the next year. And the Institute of Supply Management's Manufacturing Purchasers Managers Index rose to 47.6 in August from 46.4 in July, but it remained in contraction for the 10th straight month. The White House urged Congress to pass a stopgap spending measure as the fiscal year comes to an end on the 30th of September. U.S. pending home sales fell 13.8% in July from a year ago. And slowing demand from China is impacting other Asian economies. Data released this week shows Japanese industrial production slumped 2% in July, while production in South Korea contracted the same amount. South Korea has also reported an 11th straight monthly decline in exports. And Italy nominated the Bank of Italy Deputy Governor Perio Cipollone to a seat on the ECB executive board. Italy was the only country to propose a candidate to replace the outgoing member. And this week, the U.S. Federal Reserve increased pressure on regional banks to shore up their liquidity planning, while the FDIC proposed tougher capital requirements for their lenders. We saw U.S. President Joe Biden propose that salaried workers that make less than $55,000 a year be made eligible for overtime pay by default, extending eligibility to 3.6 million more workers, according to the U.S. Department of Labor. And on Monday, shares of the Chinese property developer Evergrande resumed trading after being halted for 18 months. They promptly lost 80% of their value. Canadian GDP surprised to the downside in the second quarter, declining two-tenths of one percent. Expectations were looking for a rise of 1.2 percent. Talking about that August employment report, let's get into a little bit more detail here. We saw a continued improvement in the labor market with plenty of ammunition for the Federal Reserve to skip a rate hike in September. 
non-farm payrolls rose 187,000 in August, while civilian employment, which is an alternative measure of jobs and includes small business startups, increased 222,000. Both of these were healthy, but downward revisions to the June and July trimmed payrolls by 110,000, bringing the net gain to 77,000. This, in turn, will boost the argument for skipping or pausing by the doves at the Fed. Although truck transportation declined 37,000, that drop was due to the dissolution of yellow trucking and is unlikely to be repeated next month. The strongest part of the report was total hours worked in the private sector, rising four-tenths of one percent in August, the most for any month since January. And although the headline unemployment rate spiked up at 3.8 percent from 3.5 percent in July, the gain was due to a 736,000 increase in the labor force, which is people either working or looking for work. As a result, the participation rate increased to 62.8%. That's the highest level since before COVID. An increase in the labor market is also good news for monetary doves because it could make it easier for employers to find workers at any given real inflation-adjusted wage rates. On that note, average hourly earnings rose at tepid two-tenths of 1% in August, which given the surge in oil prices will substantially lag inflation for the month. Still, recent slow wage growth may also have been influenced by layoffs at yellow trucking, and average hourly earnings were up 4.3% versus a year ago. With the Fed stuck in Keynesian models, it's hard to imagine that it thinks we are headed towards 2% inflation when wages are rising 4.3%. The Fed is probably looking for wage growth to slow in the 3 to 3.5% range before they are comfortable with a 2% inflation forecast. The Fed is now very likely to skip September, but we think markets are underestimating the odds of a potentially last rate hike in November. We expect continued job growth for the next few months, but also foresee a weakening and recessionary labor market starting later this year or early in 2024. And looking at our second quarter preliminary GDP report that came out with this week, real GDP was revised downward for the second quarter to a 2.1% annual rate from a prior estimate of 24 The lower revision to the overall number was due to the cumulative effect of a series of small downward revisions to inventories, business investment, and net exports. More important, we also received our first look at economy-wide profits for the second quarter, which declined four-tenths of one percent versus the first quarter and are down six-and-a-half percent from a year ago. However, the government includes Federal Reserve profits in this data, and the Fed has recently been generating unprecedented losses. We follow profits excluding those earned or lost by the Fed, which are up 1.1% in the second quarter and up 3.8% from a year ago. In effect, the losses by the Fed are the private banking sector's gain, as the Fed pays banks about 5.4% to hold reserves and do nothing with them. Still, plugging non-Fed profits into our capitalized profits model suggests the stocks are overvalued, as we said when we opened the show today. Moving forward, we do expect declines in corporate profits as the economy continues to renormalize after the massive fiscal and monetary shocks of 20 and 21. In turn, this will be a headwind for equities. In addition to corporate profits, we also get a second quarter total of real gross domestic income, which is an alternative to GDP that is just as accurate. Real GDI grew at only half a percent annual rate in the second quarter and is down a half a percent versus a year ago, consistent with underlying economic weakness. These are figures that are normally seen in and around recessions. Regarding monetary policy, inflation continued to moderate in the second quarter before the recent spike in oil prices. GDP inflation was revised lower to a 2% annual rate in the second quarter versus a prior estimate of 2.2%. And GDP prices are up 3.6% from a year ago, still higher than the Fed's 2% target. Meanwhile, nominal GDP, which is real GDP plus inflation, rose at a 4.1% annual rate in the second quarter. It's also up 6.1% from a year ago. In employment news, 
ADP's measure of private payrolls rose to 177,000 in August versus a consensus expected 195. And in recent housing news, home prices are showing consistent gains after a drop late last year. The National Case Shiller Index rose 7 tenths of 1% in June, while the FHFA Index rose 3 tenths. Notably, while the Case Shiller Index is still down from its peak in June of last year, the FHFA Index is now at a new all-time high. Well, I'm going to stick a quick blurb in here just to kind of keep us going here with the show and not run over time on this segment. We Basically, we saw a report that came out that talked about the uh, Washington State Supreme Court, the capital gains tax that um, was passed by the state legislature is going to be appealed now to the U.S. Supreme Court. And that ongoing battle over Washington's unconstitutional capital gains tax continues. The Freedom Foundation has filed a petition with the U.S. Supreme Court. The petition asks the U.S. Supreme Court to overturn the decision made earlier this year by the Washington State Supreme Court. In the filing, the appeal presents the following question. It said, upset with what they saw as an unduly regressive tax system, a narrow majority of the Washington legislature recently enacted a 7% long-term capital gains tax that extends the first 250000 a year. The Washington State Constitution mandates that all taxes on property, which includes income as a matter of state law, must be uniform and capped at 1% such that the residents with higher incomes cannot be made to pay more as a percentage of their income than those who make less. To get around these state law limits, the new tax operates as an excise tax, i.e. it's imposed on the sale or exchange of long-term capital assets, not on the income generated by it. But RCW 82.87.040 bracket 1 And yet, while that may have solved a state law problem, it created a federal law problem. Seattle is not a hotbed of securities trading, so an excise tax on high-dollar-value transactions would not raise much revenue if it were limited to transactions and property in the state. Not surprisingly, the new excise tax reaches beyond, far beyond Washington's borders to tax transactions that occur in other states involving property located out of state. So the question presented is whether the Constitution permits a state to tax out-of-state transactions involving only out-of-state property. It's worth noting that the U.S. Supreme Court is under no obligation to take up take up the case. They have typically only heard it if there's a national significance, harmonizing difference between federal decisions or other presidential value. In order for a case to be heard, four of the nine justices must vote to accept the case. The petition notes that this court has long held that the state cannot tax transactions that occur outside of its borders just because they involve one of its residents. While states may tax their fair share of income their residents derive from out-of-state transactions, they may not tax the out-of-state transactions themselves. That constraint is a necessary consequence of the federalism principles of the Constitution embodies, which guarantees each state sovereignty within its own borders. Given the importance of the question presented to the court, the case has national significance. So it's going to be interesting to see where this one ends up, but the appeal is going to the U.S. Federal Supreme Court. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city, but sometimes things happen to snarl everything up depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI traffic alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. Every day, KGMI brings you the latest news and information, and we also give you a chance to express your opinion on a major news story of the day. Go to KGMI.com anytime and take part in our daily news poll to see what others are thinking and add your voice. We'll have an update during the KGMI afternoon news, and we'll give you a final tally and a new question each day during the KGMI morning news. Be part of the conversation with the KGMI daily news poll, another informative and free feature from KGMI. 
Okay, next up for the auction, we have an amazing deal. This beautiful new American Standard Furnace and Heat Pump. It is consumer best rate. It has a 10-year parts warranty, and it'll be installed by the pros at Linden Sheet Metal. Let's start the auction. First, for the savings, we have incredible tax credits. Do I hear $1,000? So, you now have $2,000 off a furnace and heat pump. For utilities rebates, there's a mixed bag. Depending on what you get, there are savings of up to $2,400. We also have manufacturing and dealer rebates up to $1,500. And for our final item, we have five. Zero down and zero interest if paid according to a contract. Do I hear six months now looking for 12 months? Do I now 18 months? 18 months to have. We have a winner. Congratulations. You don't have to be at the auction to make these great deals. It's open to everyone that calls. This deal includes tax credits, rebates, and easy financing. But don't wait. These savings won't be around forever. You too can be a winner. Call us today. Linden Sheet Metal, serving the Northwest for over 80 years. Confidence. It's something every kid needs for back to school, but you won't find it on any supply list. That's where a great haircut at Great Clips comes in. You can use our app to add your kids to the wait list and get them in for a confidence-boosting cut whenever it's easy for you. The skilled stylists at Great Clips will save their haircut details and clip notes so they get the look they love every time. And you can feel confident you're getting the best value around. Back to school haircuts at Great Clips. It's gonna be great. Sold to bidder 126. The September consignment equipment auction at Meridian Equipment in Laurel is now active online through the 9th of September. Visit meridianeq.com today to check out the extensive selection of current auction items and place your bid. Bids will be accepted through Saturday, September 9th. Meridian Equipment selling and servicing new and used farm and light industrial equipment for over 70 years. Open weekdays from 8 to 5 and Saturdays from 8 till noon on Guide Meridian in Laurel or online at meridianeq.com. Digital marketing. You're not sure how it works, if it works, or if you're getting any return on your investment. Yet you might be embarrassed to ask too many questions in fear you may look uninformed or out of touch. Digital marketing. Isn't it great? Hi, this is Heidi Person, General Manager of the Cascade Radio Group. As business owners and those who run companies, we realize when it comes to advertising your company, you frequently have more questions than answers. For example, when you buy digital advertising, is the only thing you're ever sure about how much money you're spending? You're not alone. Many of the businesses we work with have had the same questions and concerns until we were able to help them better understand the process. So give us a call for a free, no-obligation review of your digital advertising plan. There's no strings, no hidden costs, just helpful expertise. Contact me today at 360-734-9790. It's Heidi Person. We're the Cascade Radio Group, and we want to help your business grow. Duard and Bodie's Labor Day deals are on now and all weekend long with the season's biggest savings on the largest selection of appliances, mattresses, barbecues, and more in Whatcom, Skagit, and Island Counties. If you've been waiting for the right deal, now is the time to score with huge cashback rebates, special no-interest financing, and a 30-day local price match guarantee so you know you're always getting the best price in town. Find huge savings up to 40% off on the best selection of in-stock refrigerators, dishwashers, washers, and dryers, range and cooktops and more. Plus, get huge cashback rebates up to $1,000 on qualifying appliance pairs and packages and save up to $800 on select mattress sets. Plus, get up to 50% off clearance mattresses in all sizes from top brands. Upgrade today and pay no money down and no interest up to two years on select appliances and up to six years on select mattresses. Shop Labor Day deals now at DeWard and Bodie in Bellingham and Burlington. Financing OAC offer qualifications and restrictions apply. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Harness the power of the sun, reduce your carbon footprint, and save on your energy bills. You can now go solar with West Mechanical Heating, Air Conditioning, and Electrical. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Welcome back to Wolf Wake Up. Dick Donahue with you this Sunday morning here in KGMI. Going to continue on with some of those economic reports this week. I just talked about that state appeal on this so-called capital gains excise tax to the U.S. Supreme Court. 
But now we're getting it back to the August ISM Manufacturing Index. And activity in the U.S. factory sector contracted for the 10th month in a row in August. The slightly slower pace. Looking at the details, only 5 of 18 industries reported growth in August. The survey respondents noticed slowing orders from customers across a wide range of industries and suggested that higher interest rates are beginning to impact demand as well. We continue to believe recession is lurking ahead, and this report shows that the goods sector of the economy is likely to lead the way. Weakening demand has also was not most easily seen in the New Orders Index, which fell to 46.8 in August. Given that spending has been shifting away from goods and back towards services, it is not surprising that this measure has retained, remained in contraction for the past year. But meanwhile, the production index rebounded to 50 in August with the combination of less demand from consumers and build-up inventories at retailers. We don't expect this to turn into an upward trend. However, fewer orders and faster production have allowed factories to catch up on order backlogs. And while the index did rise slightly in August, it remains near its lowest reading since 2008 financial crisis. That said, the slowdown in orders and reduction in backlogs has begun to affect the employment index, which remained in contraction for the third month in a row at 48.5 in August. And finally, on the inflation front, the prices paid index rose to 48.4 in August. In other news, construction spending increased 7 tenths of 1% in July. This game was driven by large increases in home building and manufacturing facilities, which more than offset declines in road construction and other transportation projects. We also saw the July personal income and consumption report come out this week, and income and spending started the back half of 2023 on a healthy note, but consumer strength has also keep the Fed on guard. The best news in this report was that incomes rose two-tenths of 1% in July. They're now up 4.6% in the last year. That was led by gains in private sector wages and salaries, which were up four-tenths of 1% for the month and up 4.8% year-over-year. Growth in consumer spending outpaced incomes in July, with a pickup in spending across all major categories. Goods spending rose a healthy 7 tenths of 1% on the month, is up 2.8% in the past year, while real inflation-adjusted spending on goods is up 3.3% in the last 12 months as goods prices have declined from a year-ago levels. Spending on services rose 8 tenths of 1% in July, is up 8.3% in the last year, and up 2.9% when you adjust that for inflation. The transition in dollars spent back towards services has remained an ongoing theme. Given the surge in goods activity and inflation in goods prices during the COVID, we expect goods spending will struggle to keep up as the economy continues to shift back towards a more normal mix of activity. On the inflation front, PCE prices, which is the Federal Reserve's preferred measure of inflation, rose two-tenths of 1% in July, pushing the 12-month comparison up to 3.3%. We can look forward to an upward move for August given the recent spike in oil prices. Core inflation, which excludes food and energy, is up 4.2% versus a year ago. We need to note that the Fed is now closely watching a subset of inflation dubbed the super core, which is services only. That's no goods. That's excluding food, energy, and housing. That measure rose a half a percent in July, is up 4.7% versus a year ago, down from a mere two-tenths of 1% in the peak at 4.9% in November 21. Inflation continues to take its toll on the economy, which is also feeling more of the effects of the decline in money supply over the last year. The Fed's fight is not over, and there's plenty of room to stubble before crossing the finish line. In unemployment news, initial claims for jobless benefits fell 4,000 last week to 228,000, while continuing claims rose 28,000 to 1.725,000,000. These figures suggest continued job growth in August. And on the housing front, pending home sales, which are contracts on existing homes, rose 9 tenths of 1% in July after a 4 tenths of 1% increase in June. If you plug these figures into our model, suggested existing home sales will move 
modestly higher in August. Finally, the Chicago PMI, which was a major of business activity in that region, rose to 48.7 in August from 42.8 in July. Well, let's continue on here with some other things we looked at this week. Let's talk about when you really need to start saving for retirement. And what we're going to focus on here is basically the younger, the better. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about parents or grandparents looking at what their young people, their children or grandchildren were making and saying, hey, you know, if they're making money, why don't you put that amount of money in a Roth IRA form to help them get going? Just think of what that money could be worth someday, especially when it grows tax free. But turning a quarter century old, if you're 25, could feel like a big milestone. It's significant for a financial reason, too. Young adults need to start regularly saving by the age of 25 if they expect to have at least a million dollars to retire on, according to a new report by Milken Institute. The reason? The simple effect of compounding returns. The Milken Institute calculates that a weekly $100 investment in the stock market, earning a 7% annual rate of return, I know that's $400 a month, think about that, will over time compound into savings at a top $1.1 million by age 65. This message comes at a tough time for many younger savers. With the restart of federal student loan payments in October, setting aside $400 a month can be a challenge for savers at all ages, needing to do so when one in five student loan borrowers are going to need to pay at least $500 a month to service their debt, could make saving for retirement look even more daunting. 25 is the age that Fidelity Investments and other financial service companies often use when offering guidelines around how much money one can aspire to save for retirement to a certain age. Fidelity's projections assume that savers will start investing 15% of their pre-tax income. That includes any employer match in their 401k account at age 25, with about half of that invested in stocks on average, allowing them to retire at age 67. At age 30, Fidelity figures savers need to have amassed one year's worth of pre-retirement income to be on track. By age 60, you need about eight times of one year's income. And at age 67, workers should ideally have saved at least 10 times what they're making before retiring in order to maintain their lifestyle when paychecks stop rolling in. So as hard as it can be, while juggling competing priorities, starting to save early has a powerful mathematical logic to it. If savers waited to start putting away $100 a week until age 35, they're going to have roughly uh, slightly more than $300,000 by age 65, according to the report. A little thing out there called the rule of 72. If you take 72 and you divide it by what you're making on your money, for, for example, if you're making 7% on the money, it's going to double every 10.2 years. If you make 9%, it's going to double every 8 years. If you're lucky and you make 12%, it's going to double every 6 years. Well, if you take a piece of paper and you start out with $10,000 and you say, okay, fine, I'm going to put this money away at 7% a year. It's going to double every 10 years. That means somebody age 25, that $10,000 is going to be worth 20000 at age 35. It's going to be worth 40000 at age 45. It's going to be worth 80000 at age 50. It's going to be worth 160000 at age 65. Well, that tells us you've got to put away a whole lot more money than what we're talking about you're putting away. If that money made 8%, it doubled every nine years. Well, then 25 would double at 34. It would double again at 43. It'll double again at 52. Double again at 61. In this case, you go out there to age 70 and it doubles again. So the more you put away, the more it earns, the longer the money has to sit there to work, the better off you're going to be. So when I was doing a lot of retirement planning and a lot of, I will say, no, a lot of retirement plans, doing a lot of retirement plans, not retirement planning, I always sat down with my participants and said, we need to get you saving at least 10% of what you're making by the time you were age 30. According to what I'm reading today, that may not be enough. It means that you got to start putting away more money for a longer period of time, and you got to make more money on it. A couple of weeks ago, I also mentioned on the show, we've seen what we call the default choice on a lot of 401k plans or these age-weighted or lifestyle funds, as we refer to them. We also saw a report that came out from 
uh, Morningstar that said that two of the biggest providers of those types of funds in the last 5, 10, and 15 years, that the returns on those lifestyle funds were an average about 3% lower than what you would have received if you'd have just put the money in a balance fund, which is a balanced blue chip stock fund. So I think a lot of people need to sit down and take a really hard look at what choices you're making as far as how that money's being invested inside of your retirement plans. You know, it's something I'm happy to sit down and discuss with you if you want to sit down with me and ask me questions. Again, you can always give me a call. Number here is 733-1200. Dick Donahue with you. Wolf, wake up here on KGMI. We'll be back in a minute. There's a heat wave coming to your town. Last year, the hot temperatures left you wet and sticky. You tossed and turned all night long. Relief is available. Feller Heating and Air Conditioning pride themselves in providing their customers comfort year-round so you can sleep well at night. Plus, as an independent Daikin dealer, you can perfect the air you share from the world's number one indoor comfort solution systems. Feller Heating. They design peace of mind. Find them online at fellerheating.com. How does free beer sound? That's right, free beer. This week with PNW Perks, you can get a $50 gift certificate to Menace Brewing for just $25. That's $25 of free beer this week with PNW Perks. You don't need to go to Boston to find a place where everybody knows your name. Menace Brewing in Bellingham's Fountain District is family-owned and operated and pet and family-friendly. So when you're at Menace Brewing, you're always with family. Whether you're looking for a place to catch a soccer match, test yourself on trivia night, or grab some delicious food from one of their rotating food trucks, Menace Brewing is your friendly neighborhood brewery. Stop by from noon till 10 daily and enjoy a refreshing craft pint. Bring your friends and make some new ones. So next time you'd like to get away, head to Menace Brewing on the corner of the Guide and West North Street in Bellingham. This Thursday, you can score $50 to spend at Menace Brewing for just $25. Find the details and get in on the savings at pnwperks.com. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city, but sometimes things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI Traffic Alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM, and KGMI.com. Because there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. Welcome back to Wolf Wake Up. Donahue with you this Sunday morning here in KGMI. Again, as I said earlier, if you got questions for me, give me a call, 360-733-1200. We saw a report come out this week that said that many Americans are considering delaying or reversing retirement. Many pre-retirees and retired Americans are reconsidering retirement. It is not just about the money, according to a survey from F&G Annuities and Life, which was formerly Fidelity and Guarantee Life Insurance Company. Half of the 2,000 respondents indicated that they were considering delaying or coming out of retirement. More than 4 in 10 said that money is not the reason, according to the survey. 50% of retirees considered unretiring said they want to continue the intellectual stimulation from working. That was followed by 36% who said that they don't want to feel a lack of purpose. While financial concerns topped the list of the 64% of pre-retirees who said that they're considering or have taken action to delay their retirement, 29% cited as staying in the workforce because they love what they do, and 27% said that they want to continue the intellectual challenge and stimulation from working. It may be me if I look in a mirror. And amid inflation, changing workforce dynamics post-COVID, Overall generational shifts, Americans are rethinking their retirement and extending their timing working for some retirees unretiring altogether. The survey findings are interesting in that they underscore how much generations like baby boomers are reconsidering what retirement looks like and what's important to them, such as finding personal fulfillment and intellectual stimulation. The survey also found that 50% of respondents were without a financial advisor and that that was particularly true for Generation X, those ages 50 to 58, with 59% indicating that they currently did not use a financial professional. 
that leveraging the expertise of a trusted financial advisor can often make people more confident and better equipped to navigate the challenges of retirement planning and the conviction and clarity. Once financial considerations are mitigated, advisors can help you think around the numbers and also consider your role in helping clients plan for overall happiness, whether it involves volunteering, working full-time, part-time, or not at all. The survey of 2015 U.S. adults was conducted online in June by Directions Research. It targeted respondents in age 50-plus who are financial decision makers and have at least $100,000 in financial products and or savings. Well, I get a lot of questions about IRAs, so I'm going to spend the rest of this show talking about those. One thing we need to know is you need to know the rules before you name a minor a beneficiary. You know, if you are thinking of naming a minor child or grandchild as your IRA beneficiary, well, the start of the SECURE Act in January 2020, the rules for inherited IRAs were upended. Prior to the enactment of the SECURE Act, naming a minor as a beneficiary was a good way to take advantage of the stretch IRA. A grandparent could name a young child as their IRA beneficiary and distributions could be paid from the inherited IRA for decades over the long life expectancy of that young beneficiary. But the SECURE Act has changed everything. If you're looking to leave your retirement account funds to the next generation, you may need to rethink your estate planning strategy. Post-Secure Act, the rules have changed when it comes to naming a minor as a beneficiary. Now the stretch IRA is gone for most beneficiaries, including minors. Many are subject to a 10-year payout rule. But minor children is an IRA owner. Let's talk about that. There's a special rule for some minors. Only minor children of the IRA owner are considered to be what we call eligible designated beneficiaries, or EBDs, and that they can take the required minimum distributions or RMDs required minimum distributions based on their single life expectancy until age 21. At that time, the 10-year rule would apply. So under proposed IRS RMD regulations, annual RMDs would not be required to continue during years 1 through 9 of the 10-year period, and the account would need to be emptied by the end of the 10th year. Let's give you an example. In 2020, Lisa, who is 10-year-old, inherits an IRA from her mother. Lisa is an eligible designated beneficiary, and she can stretch distributions over her single life expectancy. This goes on for 11 years because she's 10 years old. And then at Lisa's 21st birthday, which is in 2031, because Lisa has reached the age of majority, which is age 21 regardless of state law, the 10-year rule will then apply. So Lisa must continue to take annual RMDs in years 2032 through 2040, and she must empty the inherited IRA by December 31st of 2041, the end of the 10th year after she reached age 21. But then let's talk about grandchildren and other minor beneficiaries. Minor beneficiaries who are not the child of the IRA owner cannot delay the 10-year rule until age 21. Other beneficiaries, such as grandchildren, nieces, and nephews, are not considered eligible designated beneficiaries. They will be subject to that 10-year rule immediately upon the death of the IRA owner. If the IRA owner died before his required beginning date, annual RMDs would not be required during that 10-year period. Now, again, required beginning date is usually April 1st of the year now after you turn age 75. So if they die before that, they're not required to take out. And I'm going to hit that again here in a few minutes. But let's give an example. Kevin, age 75, dies in 2023. The beneficiary of his traditional IRA is his grandson, Daniel, who's age 10. Daniel does not qualify as an eligible designated beneficiary because he is not the son of the IRA owner. Daniel is going to have to take annual RMDs from the inherited IRA based on his single life expectancies for years 24 to 32. Years 1 through 9 of the 10-year period, because Kevin died after his required beginning date. 
In addition, the entire remaining inherited IRA balance must be distributed by December 31st, in this case of 2033. Again, Kevin dies in 2023. That's this year. So that in this case, because it's not a son, it's a grandson or a grandchild, they don't have that luxury of putting this thing off. But think about it. Maybe it's just in time to give them money to pay for that college education couple other questions out here. I had a question regarding RMDs under the SECURE Act for designated beneficiaries, which are adult children inheriting an IRA due to the death of a parent. We had an example. Mom, in this case, passed away at age 61. She had not reached her required beginning date. Can the adult child let the money secure in the inherited IRA for 10 years, then close the accounts at the end of the 10th year, or must they start taking annual RMD red distributions and then close the accounts at the end of the 10th year after the death of the parent? Well, this is kind of the same question again. The IRS published Supposed Secure Act regulations in February of last year. These regulations say that certain beneficiaries subject to the 10-year rule must empty the IRAs by the end of the 10th year after the death and take annual RMDs in years 1 through 10 of the 10-year period. However, here's an exception. The annual RMD requirement only applies if the IRA owner dies after the required beginning date, which again, as I said a minute ago, is April 1st of the year following the year that you turn age 73. So in this example, mom died before her required beginning date, so the children are not required to take annual RMDs within that 10-year period. And I had another question here about when can I take money or when do I have to take money out of a Roth IRA? And the question was, I opened a Roth IRA in 2020. I have since put money into the Roth in 21, 22, and 23. He said, I understand that you have to wait five years before you can withdraw money without paying taxes and principles and gains. Because of this, I can take out my 2020 money in 25, correct? And then he says, I can withdraw my 21 money in 25, so it is five years from when money is put into the account. A little confusion on this part. So he thought he'd have to wait till 26 to take out his 21 money, 27 to take out his 22 money, and so on. Well, all the money is available for withdrawing, or he wanted to know if he could start withdrawing it beginning in 2025. And basically, the answer here is you can receive the earnings on all of your Roth IRA contributions tax-free once you satisfy that five-year holding period and you're over the age of 59 and a half. The five-year period starts on January 1st of the year in which you first fund any Roth IRA. Since you opened your first Roth in 2020, your five-year period ends in 12-31-24. So, all of your Roth funds are available for tax-free starting in 2025. And in this case, since they're over 59 and a half, they would also not have to pay a penalty. So again, try to answer some of those questions. Dick Donahue with you. Don't forget our live show next Saturday at 11 o'clock. want to thank you for being with us. Hope you have a great week. Finish out a great weekend. And if you got questions for me, give me a call. 360-733-1200. Thanks and have a good day. Voiced on the show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision.